made them an abomination and a mockery of their intent. What? Marshall cries, acting bewildered. What are you talking about? I deliver the evidence against him in three damning sentences, whose impact turns the skin of his neck livid and his carotid artery a sickening, pulsing purple. No, he sputters. That's... that's not true. You can't do this. Have you gone utterly mad? Mad? Me? I say. Hardly. I'm the sanest person I know. Please, he says, tears rolling down his face. Have mercy. I'm to be married on Christmas Eve. My laugh is as caustic as battery acid. In another life, Denton, I ate my own children. You'll get no mercy from me or my sisters. As Marshall's confusion and horror become complete, I look up into the night sky, feeling storms rising in my head and understanding once again that I am superior, a superhuman imbued with forces that go back thousands of years. For all true Olympians, I vow, this act of sacrifice marks the beginning of the end of the modern games. Then... I wrench the old man's head back so that his back arches, and before he can scream, I rip the blade furiously back with such force that his head comes free of his neck, all the way to his spine. Part One The Furies Chapter One Thursday the 26th of July, 2012 9.24 a.m. It was mad dog hot for London. Peter Knight's shirt and jacket were drenched with sweat as he sprinted north on Chesham Street, past the Diplomat Hotel, and skidded around the corner towards Lyle Mews in the heart of Belgravia, one of the most expensive areas of real estate in the world. Don't let it be true, Knight screamed internally as he entered the Mews. Dear God, don't let it be true. Then he saw a pack of newspaper jackals gathering at the yellow tape of a metropolitan police barricade that blocked the road in front of a cream-coloured Georgian townhouse. Knight lurched to a stop, feeling as though he was going to retch up the eggs and bacon he'd had for breakfast. What would he ever tell Amanda? Before Knight could compose his thoughts or quieten his stomach, his mobile rang and he snatched it from his pocket without looking at the caller ID. Knight! he managed to choke. Are uh, you, Jack? No, Peter, it's Nancy, a woman with an Irish brogue replied. Isabel has come down sick. What? Knight groaned. No, I just left the house an hour ago. She's running a temperature, his full-time nanny insisted. I just took it. How high? One hundred. She's complaining about her stomach, too. Lukey? He seems fine, Nancy said, but give them both a cool bath and call me back if Isabel's temp hits 101, Knight said. He snapped shut the phone, swallowed back the bile burning at the base of his throat. 
a wiry man, about six foot tall with an appealing face and light brown hair. Knight had once been a special investigator assigned to the Old Bailey, England's central criminal court. Two years ago, however, he had joined the London office of Private International, at twice the pay and prestige. Private has been called the Pinkerton Agency of the 21st Century, with premises in every major city in the world, its offices staffed by top-notch forensic scientists, security specialists, and investigators such as Knight. Compartmentalize, he told himself. Be professional. But this felt like the last straw breaking his back. Knight had already endured too much grief and loss, both personally and professionally. Just the week before, his boss, Dan Carter, and three of his other colleagues had perished in a plane crash over the...